Okay, so if you're like new this morning, then since the start of this year until last week, I've been preaching right through Romans, looking at the theme of, of, of grace and salvation and the, the incredible life that God has given us through Christ. And um, I said last week that what I was going to do was to start to transition that or, or, or move from that to apply some of those principles to see how God brings about change in our life. And so um, it's, we, we're still going to be in Romans. So, you, you know, don't get upset. Don't think we've left it or whatever. We're still in Romans. Um, but it's this, the, the theme is transforming grace. How do we actually get changed? Because a lot of people think that we get changed, you know, like you become a Christian and then all of a sudden you have to follow lots of rules and you have to try harder and that's what makes you, uh, brings about change in your life. The problem with that is that that's what Israel had before Jesus died and they couldn't keep any, they couldn't keep the rules and neither can we. So grace, what Christ has done for us by giving us a new heart. When we're born again, we get a new heart that is one with the Spirit of Christ. So when you become a Christian, you're no longer the same person as you were. You, that might come as a shock to you, but you're not. The Bible says, actually, you're a new creation. That The minute you believe, something happens inside you. You, you don't feel it, but the Holy Spirit comes and gives you new life. The Bible calls it being born again. You know that, that jargon, born again. And, you know, we, we've seen quite a, quite a number of people coming to Christ or returning to Christ over the last few months. And, and it, it's amazing to see the change that comes about in a life. Now, that change is an inside-out change, yeah. not an outside-in. You know, most people have this idea that Christianity is all about do's, don'ts, keeping rules and being very solemn and unhappy. Well, it's not. God made you you and he enjoys you and he has joy in you. But we do need to change because we need to, to now live from who Christ has made us instead of who we were. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about. Because on this earth, right here, right now, whether you think it or not, or whether you're any good at it or not, you are a representative of Christ. The Bible says you're the body of Christ. That means that, that wherever you go, you are representing the kingdom. The, what, the, what the world sees of God on this earth, what the world sees of Jesus on this earth, is you. And God delights in that, but... Sometimes we, we don't think of ourselves as that. We don't think of ourselves as, as carrying Christ wherever we go. And it's awesome to actually be a direct personal representative of Jesus, isn't it? It's also a little bit scary, isn't it? <laughs> but it's true. Whether, whether it, we, we feel it or not, it's true that wherever we go, we are representing Christ. And the Bible says everybody has that ministry. Every single one of us has that ministry of representing Christ. It puts it slightly differently. It says you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is to, to go into the world to show them Christ to, so that they might be reconciled to Christ. So we've got that ministry wherever we go. And one of the, 
the really important things in that is that we're consistent. We're consistent. Because another truth is this. People watch what we do. And they make judgments about God on the basis of us. Now, that, that's kind of sad in some ways because God isn't always that best represented by some, some of us. And some of the time, he's not best represented by me. But the truth is that we, when we, um, we are his representatives, it is to be consistently living from the place of who he's made us to be. Are you with that? Okay. Let me put that word consistently as a different word. Let me cut to try and make it simpler. You might not like the word, but I'm just trying to make it simpler. But we have to have consistent or we have to have habits in our life. Now, before you were born again, you had all sorts of habits in your life, didn't you? Yeah? You did all sorts of things. Like something would happen and you would react in a certain way to it. You'd be in a particular situation and you'd always deal with it that way. You had formed habits in your life. And we've been given the spirit of Christ so that we can form different habits, different responses, different reactions in our life. Now, let me, let me just come up with a Bible, uh, dictionary definition of that word habit. And so I'll read it to you because I can't remember. It's got long words in like dictionaries do. Habits are a continual, often unconscious performance of an activity that is acquired through repetition. And, and partly that's what we're doing with this kindness challenge, is we are renewing what the Bible calls renewing our minds or changing our habits by repetition, by doing consistently each day new things and, and, and choosing not to be negative, choosing to do something positive and choosing to say something positive to, to whoever we picked on. I had this like, amazing thing this week. Guess what happened? So... We've got, we've got Masaka, which, which I like, but my, my issue with Masaka is that every time it appears on my plate, it also appears with this green stuff called salad. <laughs> and, and that's not good. That's not good. I associate salad with our pet rabbit that we used to have. But it appears every time. And, and so guess what happened this week? Masaka appeared on my plate. There was salad in a bowl on the table. I thought, here we go again. And then from behind me, this, this angel appeared with a little pan with vegetables in it. <laughs> and she said, you can have veggie. I've cooked them specially for you. I'm having salad. Jessica's having salad. But you can have nice warm vegetables. <laughs> and I thought, Wow. It's like, this is amazing. This kind of challenge works. So I really don't care how you lot get. No, I got me veg. <laughs> and, and he really did look like that. His face when I brought them. I should have seen years shocked. ago. He, he just went, is that for me? You know, and it's just like, yes. Oh, my goodness, vegetables. So it work, it's working, guys. <laughs> and, and if you're not getting the emails, let me know. Because there's emails coming out every day. There's a letter from me and then a short email every day with a bit of encouragement. So if you're not getting them, let me know. See, renewing our mind needs three things. It needs the word of God. 
actually we need to start seeing things the way God sees them. Yeah. It needs the spirit of God to bring that alive to us and to, to produce change in us. And it needs us to actually act on what he said and what he's shown us and, and keep acting on it until that, that part of us replaces that old belief system or that old way of reacting. It's a bit like, you remember, um, how, many, how many of you, most people I hear, guess here drive cars? Yeah? Do you remember what it was like, that first driving lesson? When you got in and you had to, like, look in the mirror, adjust your seatbelt, fiddle with your seat, manage, like, three foot pedals, a gear stick, and then set off without hitting anything. Do you remember that? And how awkward it felt. And yet, now, I, I bet you, the, now, most of you can have this recurring thing where you've driven 20 miles and you can't remember going past anything. Because you never think about it. You just drive subconsciously most of the time. Don't tell the police that. <laughs> but most of us do. We have that thing. You're like going to be 20 miles down the road and you can't remember how you got there. You know, Cheryl and I had a, we had a, what's it called? A, a marital. It, yeah, we were coming back from, we were coming back from my mum's. And, and I, I, I was, we were going to stop at the services and we were chatting away and drove down. And Cheryl said, these services are taking a long time coming up, aren't they? I said, yeah, they are, aren't they? And we'd driven straight past them without even noticing because our driving becomes automatic. And it's like that, that when we renew our mind, who Christ is in us becomes automatic in our life. It gets, he, he becomes displayed in our life. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 17. Um, you might not be able to follow all this this morning because I want to bring out some things that the, the Amplified version really helps with. So that's why I put some fancier slides up this week. Okay, so, if because of one man's trespass, that sin, lapse or offence, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favour, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So, what that's telling us is that through Adam, through Adam falling, what happened was that sin, sickness, death, um, bad stuff reigned in our life. It dominated. And there was nothing we could do about that. That's just fact. That before we found Christ, that's the reality of who we are. Death, sickness, sin dominated in our life. But now through Christ, we reign. That word reign means we were placed above. Uh, and now instead of being dominated by death and bad things, we reign and we bring life where we go. We are imparters of life. We have the life of Christ in us and we, give that, we can give that life to others. And we can see God act through our lives. When we pray for people, we can see miracles. When we talk to people, we can, we can encourage them, we can build them up, we can strengthen them, we can walk alongside them. We, we, can, we are life givers instead of being dominated by sin and death and sickness and all the rest of it. So something remarkable changed about us. And... As representatives of Christ, what we're about is releasing that and giving that away. So our, our, our role here on earth 
is to give away what Christ has done in us, to, to give away that life. And, you know, that's why when you get saved, you don't get immediately taken to heaven because you've got a job to do here, which is giving away the life of Christ that he's put in you. And so before you were born again, you did wrong things and there's not a lot you could do about it. You just did. In fact, you desired to do them. You were caught up in your own desires that you couldn't break out of. But now with the Holy Spirit, who is one with your spirit, one with your heart, having been born again, then you have a new set of desires. You don't have a set of desires just to sin. You have a desire within you to love and be kind and to care and to, and to bless people. That's the, 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 the dominant desire. Now, that doesn't mean you still won't do wrong stuff. But the reality of the Christian walk is that the longer you go about this, you should be doing less and less wrong stuff because Christ should be living through you. People should see the transformation in you. You know, I, I want to say this really clearly because some, lots of Christians believe this. They go, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you aren't. You were an old sinner. You were saved by grace, but now you're a saint who is alive in Christ. So you, you, you're not that miserable person that you were. You can do something and you can live from a different place. You know, the truth about Christians is we can change our lives. Yeah. We can have a different life. We are not trapped and dominated and ruled by our past. We're not, we don't have to live from what happened to us 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. We don't have to live from what's going on in our life now. But we can have new life. Because Christ is alive in us. And he lives through us. And he wants to empower us to partner with him in that giving of life. He wants to empower us in that blessing of other people. Now, let me just take a step back. Because you could say, well, I, I don't feel like that. I, I, get, I get what you're saying, Mark, and I know the verse says that, but I don't feel like that. It's, a, it's not quite all coming together for me. So where is it? Where's, where, where, where is that transformation? Where is that life? It's inside you. When you were born again, the Spirit of Christ came to live in you, and you became alive inside. You were born again. And in that, the Bible tells you, you have everything you need to succeed in life. And it's inside you. Now, that should automatically tell you what the issue is and what we're aiming for. Because what we're aiming for is to get what's inside us out. So it becomes outward. So we, 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 we go from inside to outside. Most of religion tries to sort out your outside without fixing your inside. But we've been fixed inside and now we're trying to get that outside. So, so, that, so we don't get messed up by all the things and all the ways we used to think. And that, that takes a transformation. It takes a, a change in our thinking. Because God is, is working in us and in our lives to change our thinking so that we see reality like he sees reality. That where we see things as impossible, he's trying to change our thinking to see them as possible. 
where we see things as mountains that can't be moved, he's trying to change our thinking to say, I can move any mountain. Where we see ourselves like pushed in, beaten up, messed about, criticised, worn down by other people, he's, say, he's trying to change our thinking to say, greater is in you, he that's in you than he that's in the world. And, and he's trying to get us to see the world like he sees it and not limited like we see it. You see, I, I, you know, that, that testimony that, that I gave, the world says that is incurable, that autism is incurable. The doctors have files on that boy saying that's incurable. We could say, okay, it's incurable. But then we see this is how God sees reality. Nothing is impossible for God. Therefore, it's curable. Yeah. You know, I, I, I put this on Facebook. Some of you might have heard it before. It's, it's one of my little sayings, but I, I really believe this, that there is truth and there is fact. Now, facts don't change the truth. But believing the truth changes the facts. When we believe God, reality changes to align with the way he sees things. To, when we believe God, he can do stuff in our lives we didn't believe was possible and wasn't possible on our own. We're on a different sort of plane when we believe. And the job of the Holy Spirit and the job of the word of God in our lives is to bring about that change so we start to see things the way God sees them. And we start to reproduce that in the way we live. And that's a process and it needs us to participate with him in it. You see, none of that will happen if you don't engage with it. Now, much as it pains me to say so, it doesn't really, but you are not going to get much change in your life just by listening to me on a Sunday morning. You'll get some over time. But you need to engage with the process of, of getting to know God, building your relationship with God outside this context as well. Yeah. You know, being a Sunday Christian does not work. Being a Sunday Christian is too slow. That's why you see so many people just sat in churches unchanged and unable to deal with what's going on in their life because they're Sunday Christians. And you see, Jesus never called us to make converts and Sunday Christians. He called us to make disciples who'll, who'll get the word in them and the Holy Spirit will then transform them so that the world around them becomes changed. That's how this works. That's how Christianity works. Are you still with me? Yeah. Good. How can I put this? How can, how can I stir you to this? Because you are not destined to live a weak, wimpy, cow-down, beaten-down life. You are meant to live a life that changes this world. And, and when we, we go, oh, no, I'm just, you don't know what my life's like. I don't know what your life's like, but God knows what your life's like, and he's wanting to transform it. But on the way, he's wanting you to transform a few lives alongside him. 
And, and not let the world and circumstances and what's going on in your life rob you of your destiny, rob you of the things that God has for you. We are not weak. We are not wimpy. You know, God really wrote this on my heart. Just, I think it was last week, so I stuck it on Facebook. It, you know, we should not fear hard times. We are anointed for hard. We are overcomers of hard times. That doesn't deny hard times exist. We go through hard times, but we win because we come out the other side. Most of us get stuck in a hard time and go, God doesn't care about me. Yes, he does care about you. He's working it out. He's anointed you to go through it and you will overcome and you will win. And when we see reality from that perspective, we, we can see how God can change things. So how do we do it? How do we form some new habits? So I want to get practical for the other half of this talk. Okay? Remember when I was talking um, over the last weeks, there is two aspects to our life as a believer, and we can live from either aspect. The, the, the Bible calls, basically, you can become a Christian and you can carry on living, thinking and doing and believing all the stuff you did before you were a Christian. And just carry on, trying to sort out your own life, only you're now a Christian. God loves you. God doesn't judge that. He loves you incredibly. He's not moving on that. You are saved. You are going to heaven. But you are living below potential. You are living what the Bible calls carnally. That means you carry on applying world solutions to worldly problems and you'll carry on getting the same outcomes as you always did. And so your life doesn't really change when you live carnally. It just actually can become a bit tougher because you're now a carnal Christian, which makes you feel guilty about living carnally. (laughs) Or we can live from our spirit. We We can let God come on the scene and change things. So we have this choice. So if we're going to renew our minds, if we're going to change, something's got to happen. And the first thing that's got to happen is you're going to have to make up your mind which part of you you want to keep happy. Do you want to keep your flesh happy or do you want to keep your spirit happy? Do you want to, keep your, do you want to behave like a new creation or do you just want to carry on doing what you were doing? You have to decide whether you really just want to exist, keeping your flesh happy and doing the same things as you've always done. Now, the problem here and why most people don't manage to get this sorted and manage to break free is that they they don't have the knowledge. You know, a lot of people become Christians and never get told this. They never get told that they're actually something different than they were before. They never understand that they have been totally saved and that God is empowering them to to start seeing things like the way heaven sees things and to start seeing some miracles and some life come on the scene. And, And they never get told that. So it's no wonder that most of us just are indistinguishable from the world. Except we think we're a bit nicer. 
but we aren't. <laughs> you know, around the coffee machine, we're probably not any nicer. You know, one of the things that, that was an issue for Jessica when she was growing up is that she encountered more niceness from her friends at school who were in the world than her friends at church. Because they weren't nicer, they were horrible. And, and so we, we can't rely on our own niceness. We have to rely on Christ in us to bring about change. You know, we, if you go back to that moment when you decided you were going to be a Christian, I bet you didn't do it thinking, I'm going to be a Christian, but actually nothing's going to change and I'm still going to be just the same person as I am. You didn't do it for that, did you? you, when, you when you became a Christian, you did it because you wanted things to change. So what, what happened along the way? Why did we stop investing in change? You see, a lot of the reason that we don't change and we don't let God work as much in our life as, as we want, to, want him to is this. We wait until we feel like doing it. We wait until we feel like it's the right moment. We wait until we feel like changing. You will never feel like changing because your flesh will always never want to change. But we get stuck in this. I, I just don't feel like it at the moment. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe someday. Maybe when I'm less busy. Maybe when I've got the family sorted out. Maybe when I've got my career established. Maybe when I've done my exams. Maybe when I've done this. Maybe when I've done that. Maybe when it's sunshiny outside. Or maybe when everything went well at work today. Then, then I'll, I'll, I'll engage with God. You are not going to feel like doing what God is wanting to bring about in your life because your flesh is going to say, I don't like that. You see, if you're used to not giving and God says, you know, well, let, let me let's say you are used to giving. Let's say you're used to giving and God says, right, you're used to giving £5 a week. I want you to give £100 this week. The first thing you're going to do is, I don't feel like that. I, I don't think, yeah, I'm, well, I need that £100. I need it for this, I need it for that. It's really not a good time for me, God. You don't know what's happening. And, <laughs> and God, all our lives are repeat versions of that. You see, Cheryl and I, um, ever since, well, before we were married, we, we never had an issue about giving. Um, some people sometimes have told us we're too generous and, and all the rest of it, but we've never given as little as a tithe, ever. But even so, we still get challenged by things. And I, I remember a few years ago uh, when I was in business, we, we built up various different things and we had a, an outsourcing business that had, had grown like topsy within the partnership that I was part of. Um, it was called Liberata, and it was the main competitor to another one. Some of you might have come across it on your payslips called Capita. Capita run lots of private sector, uh, sorry, public sector payrolls and administrations and all that. So Liberata, Liberata was its main competitor. Um, and we, we decided that it wasn't core business for the partnership. So we sold it to some venture capitalists. That meant we got a big pot of money. 
Now, the good thing about being in a partnership is when you get a big pot of money, it goes to the partners. Now, you might not think this is very holy, and it isn't, okay? I'll, I'll own up to that. This wasn't a very holy thought process. But this is how my thought process went, because my flesh didn't like the idea, because it was going to be a big sum of money to give away a tithe off that. And so my flesh, it, this is the logic it came up with. It was an investment. And so that's capital. It's not income. So you don't have to tithe off capital growth. It's just income you tithe off. Okay, so how many of you know that isn't a good thought process and that's not actually very right? But it did trouble me for several weeks. And I couldn't get my head around it. And I remember going to, to God and saying, God, I did I don't have to give this. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have to give it. And uh, I'd found lots of loopholes. <laughs> Do you know, the thing about this, when you treat God's word as law, there's loopholes. You'll always be able to get out of it to please your flesh. You'll feel guilty about it, but you'll always be able to get out of it. And, and being a, a tax specialist who invented tax planning schemes, I was really good at finding loopholes. <laughs> And so what happened was this, I, I, I didn't want to give, but then God actually wanted me to understand what was going on inside me. And, and he challenged me like this, he said, when I asked you to give, was I interested in the money? The answer is no. God, God's not short of money. So why, why have I asked you to give? Why, why, you know, why do you tithe? And you go, well, I tithe because you're supposed to. No. Guys, don't tithe because you're supposed to. Tithe because you want to. And go beyond the tithe. We, we give because we're generous. And, and God said, the reason I asked you to give is because I'm more interested in what's going on in your heart than I am in the money. You see, a lot of people will say, well, I don't give because I'm under grace. That's rubbish. What's going on in your heart? And I'm not after the money either. I couldn't, I couldn't give a monkey. You see, we, we have a really simple financial plan for this. You, you know, we have, we have a financial plan f that we have to have that is a spreadsheet that the trustees sign off on. And then we, we agonise for ages because it's never enough for what we want to do. But we know that God will always provide. So how do you, how do you come? How, we, you, churches have this funny thing. When you're a faith church, you have this thing. You're not governed by a budget. God's your provider. So we don't worry about where, where the money's coming from because God will provide. So I'm not bothered. But God's bothered about what goes on in our hearts. Do, do you see, see the difference? He's bothered about why, why we don't trust him, why we're not generous, why we aren't givers like he is. He's bothered about that. He's also bothered about the fact that that if, we, if we're not sowing anything, there's nothing for us to reap. That's how it works. He's bothered about that because he wants to bless us and he wants us to be a blessing to other people because he's bothered about these things. Because he's bothered about your heart. He's not bothered about the money. He's bothered about how he gets blessing to you. He's bothered about what's going on in you. 
He's bothered about why your heart isn't like Christ's. That's, that's what he's concerned about. And so, to form new habits, you're going to have to do something that doesn't feel good. That's my point. You're going to have to try and put vegetables with your husband's massacre. <laughs> Even though you know that salad would be better for him. Even though you know he's never ate salad ever when you put it on his plate. You know, you've got to do that. You know, just in case some of you are thinking of blessing me in this way, um, don't go pears or cheesecake. Definitely not cheesecake. There's no cheesecake in heaven, so I'm not starting now. You see, we'll go, well, I can't do that because that's just too hard. You know, I can't, I can't lose weight. I can't go on a diet. It's just too hard guys it's not as hard as having your life pushed about by the smell of a bacon sandwich because every time you smell one you want one if you're a bloke it's not as hard as being dominated like that and then looking at yourself in the mirror in an evening going oh I haven't lost any weight well no you haven't because you sniffed the bacon sandwich (laughs) you're gonna have to do something you don't feel like doing Romans 6.11 Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him. This has to do with how you consider what you think about. And so, when it says reckon yourself or consider yourself, you have to start to think like this. You are dead to sin your old man is dead those old sinful desires are dead but you actually have to think like that because most of us get saved and we don't think we're dead to sin we just try and manage the sin but actually I don't have to sin I'm a new creation with the life of Christ in me and as I think so I become as a man thinks in his heart so is he and so I need to change the way I think Um, And I need to believe that sin has no hold on me. That's not denying the fact it happens, but actually that what what happened there isn't going to define me for the rest of my life or the rest of my day. I go, yes, God, I did that, but I am the righteousness of Christ. I I know that Christ gave me his righteousness. I am saved by grace through faith. I, I know that that happened, but I no longer accept that that dominates my life. And I'm going to move on from that. And I'm going to choose to not walk that way. I'm going to walk this way. Because I can. And I tell you, I can. Have you ever talked to your it? Well, I talk to my its and tell them they don't hold me. They're not mine. They've got no domination over me. There are no rights in my life. And I'm going to move on for this. You might have tripped me up this time, but you ain't tripping me up again. Amen. And then I go positive. I go, I'm not that person anymore. I am kind. I have love. I have faithfulness. I have gentleness. I have self-control. That's good with bacon sandwiches. I have self-control. I have love. I have joy. I have peace inside me. When the world is coming at me, I don't need to be rocked by that because I am uh, stood on the solid rock of Christ and he ain't moving anywhere. Are you getting this? You know, when, if you've got a problem with anger, 
He said, okay, I'm not going to get you to put your hands up, but you can stare badly at people, okay? <laughs> if you've got a problem with anger... No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Don't, don't take that. <laughs> that was a joke. That was that a joke. Honest. Honest, that would be unkind. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> I was getting the angry stare from Cheryl. <laughs> if you've got a problem with anger... So I'm just using this example. You have to start to do something. It's this. It's really simple. You have to respond to the Holy Spirit when he tells you to shut up and keep your mouth zipped. That's your first step. You're not going to feel like doing it, but you respond to the Spirit. And when you start responding to the Spirit, he empowers you to go forward. It doesn't stop, just so you know, it doesn't stop the turmoil that's going on inside. But it stops you reacting to it. If you are a, a negative, critical person, um, and that's how you were brought up, okay? Being born again won't stop you seeing things negatively. Immediately. But you can choose to declare the word of God over it, which is positive. You can say, that might be a glass half empty, but I see a glass three quarters or full by the power of God in my future. I see my destiny. That might look like a big mountain, but I see it's coming down. It's moving. The, the, the high mountains are going to be made flat. And I see that. I might not feel that, but I see it. And we start to look at the things we don't see instead of right now, to, instead of the things that we do see, and we start to focus on them and declare them and believe them until they come about in our life. That's how this works. Musical interlude. <laughs> okay, so you can't wait till you feel like something. You can't wait till you feel like giving. You can't wait till you feel like being a blessing. You can't wait till you feel like being kind. You can't wait till you feel like getting the negatives out of your life. You can't wait until you feel like being positive about somebody. Just do it. Because when you do it and you act in line with what the Holy Spirit wants in your life, he empowers it. And when he empowers it, it changes you. You form habits in your life, don't you, by repetition. You enter into your new life by the same process, repetition. Being who Christ made you to be. Romans 8, 13. Because you're going, oh, you have to give me some scripture on that. Well, I'll give you some scripture on that. Because that sounds a bit like what you'd read in a book. No, it's scripture. By the way, scripture's a book. We're all right on that. Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will die. That means you bring death into your life. Bad stuff. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you have habitually putting to death, making extent, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the flesh, you shall really and genuinely live forever. When, you, when God's bringing about change in your life and your flesh is saying, I don't like that, you will have a period of time in your life when it looks like it's not working. How many of you, and again, I'm not asking you to put your hand up, but you can do like an internal check on this. How many of you are not feeling all that much more kind than you were 
a week ago or whatever when we started. <laughs> Little sheepish looks on the front row here. I'll just dob him in. <laughs> but if you do it, you'll find that if you keep doing it, it will become less hard to do it until you'll do it automatically. And the kindness that is within you will be the kindness that now comes out of you. I made, a, and this isn't a good example, but it's, it's the one I thought, but, you know, quite a few years ago, I tried to learn to play guitar. I thought that's a really good thing to do when you're 50. Never played a musical instrument before. I'll learn guitar. Now, one of the things about learning guitar is that when you start, you like going... <coughs> and you just can't get your fingers to move. But the more you do it, and, and so the, the, the person who was teaching me gave, gave me these little timed exercises and I had to see how many times I could switch between two chords in 60 seconds and count them and see how much better I was getting each day. Eventually, it becomes automatic. You can do it without even thinking about it. You, the, when you play guitar, you don't really, you don't have to go through the whole thought process and repositioning of your hand. It, it's sort of like learned. And, it, and it's like that, that the enemy will try and tell you it's not working, but if you'll keep going, unlike me with my guitar, it will work. <laughs> you know, it works. The point is this, don't quit, don't give up, just because it's not easy. Yeah. You know, like, if God's moving you to, to be encouraging towards people, you're, you're naturally encouragers in your spirit. You, you are natural encouraging. You might not feel like I'm an encourager, but you are. And if God's asking you to be encouraging, just do it. To be encouraging, you're going to have to do something really simple. You're going to have to open your mouth and say something encouraging. So when you have an opportunity, you say it. Or you can be purposeful and actually choose that today I'm going to say something encouraging to whoever you're talking to or whoever you've, you've chosen. Just be an encourager. And the more you're an encourager, the easier it will be to be an encourager until you will actually realise that you are an encourager. Let's finish with this. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death, so just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so that we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. If you don't, if you, by the way, just if you don't know what the Amplified is, it just takes the, the, the Greek words that are getting translated, because the Bible's written, the New Testament is written in Greek, and it, it gives you the sense of them. That's why when we read it sometimes starkly in our words, you don't get that what it's talking about is an habitual, repetitive action. That only comes if you know the tense of the Greek word. So that's why the Amplified puts it like that. So, we might habitually live and behave in unison of life. Being a disciple is about forming new habits. It's about renewing your mind till you see things the way Christ sees them, till you see things the way heaven sees them, till you see things from God's perspective. And when you see things from God's perspective, he starts to move because now you're believing in line with what he sees. And what, he, what you've just seen now becomes reality. That's, that's faith. That's how we access miracles. That's how we access heaven. You see, Jesus, right at the start, the disciples come to him and say, how do I pray? And he says, 
pray like this. And one of the things he tells them to do is pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven doesn't need fixing. Heaven's perfect. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack. There's no debt. There's no pain. There's no bondage. There's no demonic oppression. There's none of that in heaven. And what he's saying is when you believe, when you pray, it becomes on earth where you are like heaven is. So pray for that. Declare it. Speak it. Believe it. Because, and, and what he's trying to get us to do is shift our perspective so we can believe it because we don't actually just see what's in front of us anymore. We see the perspective of the way God sees it. And when we see the way God sees it, he can come on the scene and it becomes as he sees it. I don't know how a boy with autism gets his brain rewired. I can't even get my head around that. But he did. Because God can do it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Because, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your life right now, it is subject to change. You are not stuck with it. You are you are not a victim of what's happened in your marriage, in your relationships, in your schooling, in your job, in your health. You are not a victim of it that endures into your future. Because God changes things. And the first thing he's changing is our minds to see us as see ourselves like he sees us. To know as he knows, to believe as he believes, to think as he thinks.